All right, let me talk to you for a few minutes here. We're preparing to go in and take the promises of God, to lay hold what it is that he has for us. We're no longer just going to be looking in hope or going on the journey too. We're going to go in and possess what God has for us. You are an army that's going to lay hold of the promises of God and begin to walk in them in a way that you haven't walked in them before. It's just the way it's going to be. Not asking your opinion. Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, we've talked about this verse over a number of different weeks, so I'm not going to keep reviewing it. Sermons are online. But therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, it still stands. It still stands, the promise of entering his rest. It still stands. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to fail to reach it. Now, what we've talked about in the last weeks is that there was a generation that came to the promised land who refused to be persuaded. They refused to be persuaded. They had God's promise that he was going to take them out of Egypt, which he had done very ably. That he was going to bring them through the wilderness, and in spite of their murmuring and complaining, he did just that. And he promised that he was going to take them in and give them the land that he had promised to their father Abraham. And he was fully prepared to do it. The spies went into the land, ten of them, spent the whole period of time looking at how good the land was with a mindset of, we can never take it. Strongholds are too strong, giants are too big, people are too powerful, we cannot take this land. Two went through, looking at the land, thinking, wow, God has promised us this land, this land is ours, Giants are big. It's going to be great taking them down. Strongholds are massive. Wow! Watch them fall because God is with us. When the two came back and said, God is able to give us the land, the people refused to be persuaded by their report. Instead, they came under the report of fear and doubt. And they were persuaded to turn back from the land that God had promised them. It was because of the unbelief in their hearts. God had time after time in the wilderness brought them to a place of testing so that in that place, rather than testing God, saying, if you will prove to us by giving us what we want, what we're demanding, then we will trust you. But God had designed those times of testing so that they would say, in spite of what we are facing, we will trust in your word. But they had refused to go through the training. And so when they came to the promised land, They had unbelief in their heart that refused to be persuaded. And the apostle says here 
there is one thing that you need to fear in your life. It is unbelief. The one thing that will keep you from laying hold of what God has done for you and what God will do for you is unbelief. Once you put your faith in Him, He has done it all. But out of sight of what He will do for you and has done for you, you have no hope. So the one thing you want to fear is unbelief. And the one place you want to get to is a place of being fully persuaded that God has finished His work and it is guaranteed. The more you get to that place, the more you will enter in. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear. Wow, the Bible actually tells us to fear. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to fail to reach it. For the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. We said last week, they were not united in faith, some of your versions. They were not united in faith with the word that, had, that was spoken. They were not in, united in faith with the report that was given. God has given us this land. So what was spoken did not benefit them because it cannot benefit anyone who refuses to take what God has said and to unite it with your faith. We're going to talk more about faith as we go along. But faith is to be persuaded that what God has said, He is not only able to perform, but He will perform. No word that God has ever spoken, no word ever released from His mouth, will return back to Him going, sorry, any word that's released from His mouth will come back to him. Mission accomplished. That's his word. His word is settled in heaven. He is exalted above all things. His word and his name. Who he is rests on it. And he will not fail to keep his word. Hallelujah. It says, for we, in verse 3, for we who have believed, enter that rest. We who have believed, Enter that rest. Now please understand, it's God's rest. We who have believed enter God's rest. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest because of their unbelief. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested. That really gives me hope when they go, for he has somewhere spoken. When I can't remember exactly where it's found in the Bible and can't give you a verse in reference, okay, that really helps me. For he has somewhere spoken. He has somewhere spoken. Oh, thank you, God. He has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. 
And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. He rested. It was finished. Entering his rest is entering the finished work. It's finished. It's finished. What God has promised is going to be performed. It's finished. It's done. I'm fully persuaded. Since therefore it remains for some to enter that rest. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of their disobedience. That word disobedience means refusing to be fully persuaded. Because they refused to be persuaded, they did not enter in. Again, he appoints a certain day today. And the reason he has confidence about that, that we're not talking about Joshua and the children of Israel entering into the land of promise, is because he's quoting from Psalms 95 that was written long after that event. And there's still a rest today, if you will hear my voice. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, Today, if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Now let me say this. You do not rest from your works to enter God's rest. Let me say that again. The way to enter God's rest is not trying to rest from your works and your striving and your efforts. That's not the way to enter God's rest. You enter God's rest, and once you enter God's rest, you will automatically rest from your striving. Let me do that again for something. What did he say? You do not enter into God's rest by trying to stop striving in and of yourself. Striving to please God, striving to do what I'm going to try and stop all that. And that means I'm entering into God's rest. No. The reason why I'm saying that is because I see people inactive in the kingdom of God and they call it entering his rest. We can't do that. That would be works. But once you have entered God's rest, you cease striving. But you're not inactive. In fact, you are more powerfully active than you ever were before. But your activity is not one of striving. It is one of absolute confidence. 
I don't have to strive. I don't have to make it happen. Hallelujah. But God, hallelujah, you're going to make a way. So show me what to do. All right, I'm going to walk in obedience. All right, God. Hallelujah. Let's walk in obedience again. I'm not striving. I'm not anxious. I'm not burdened down with worry. I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm simply walking in obedience and thrilled. I'm energized to be walking in obedience with him, listening to his voice, reading his word, and then being active in it. But there's no strife. There's no striving. There's no earning. There's no trying to get God to love me more. Instead, I'm absolutely confident that God is with me. I'm absolutely confident that His Word is true. And because of it, it energizes me. And once I enter into that place of being fully persuaded that what God has said, it will be performed. Who God says I am is who I am. What God has called me to, He will bring to succeed within my life. Once I am absolutely persuaded, I begin to step in, not with my strength and not with my power, but by, with the power and the authority of God into every situation that I'm in. And I'm energized because I am absolutely certain. Once you enter into God's rest, and you know it is finished, it is sure, then you see striving. Then you see striving. It's no longer my effort. I don't have to make anything happen. I can walk in obedience. I begin to walk in obedience, and even if things aren't happening, even if things don't seem to move in front of me, I don't get stressed. I don't try and make it happen. I don't try and change things. Instead, I just keep walking in obedience to what God has called me to. And I know that as I do it, as I just rest and walk in obedience, God is going to cause his word to come to pass. Verse 11, therefore, let us strive to enter that rest. What's he saying? The one place where you want to put your effort to is to come to a place where you are fully persuaded. You are fully persuaded, and especially you are fully persuaded regarding what God has spoken to us through Christ. It is finished. I don't have to strive to be righteous. I am righteous. I don't have to strive to gain access with God. I have access with God. It makes me want to pray all the more. It makes me want to worship all the more. It makes me want to live for him all the more. It makes me want to overcome every every temptation and every vice in my life all the more because I am and it is finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have to strive to bring the Spirit down. I have the Spirit of God living inside of me. I don't have to strive to work it up. I have the Spirit of God working and flowing through me. All I have to do is walk in obedience. Hallelujah. And believe. And believe. And believe. Hallelujah. I'm not powerless in any situation because I stand strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to prove myself. I stand in absolute confidence that what God has spoken regarding me in Christ is true. I invest my life in the kingdom because I am absolutely convinced it's the best investment you will ever make. 
and I spend my life pursuing not the things of the world that people pursue to make them secure and make them happy. I pursue him. I pursue what he's called me to because I am absolutely persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him. I've watched God work in my life, but even more than my life, I've watched God work in my parents' and my grandparents' life as they gave themselves fully to the kingdom and everybody was worried about what's going to happen as they grow old. And I watched God come through because he is faithful to his servants. I watched God provide in miraculous ways. And as I've invested myself in the kingdom of God, I'm not a rich man, but God has provided for the things I have been concerned about. And there are so many times when the temptation in front of me is to become anxious and to pull my attention away from pursuing God and living for God and being obedient to the call that is in my life. And I could easily be pulled away from that. And the words that come to me, the the persuasion that tries to come through me, whether it's through others or whether it's just simply through the noise that comes through my mind, is you are so foolish to be trusting in God. But I am absolutely persuaded, hallelujah, that I do not have to be anxious. I do not have to strive. I do not have to worry. I don't have to change my course in life. I know. Hallelujah. I know. I know. There's things that come against my mind. There's things that come against my body. There's things that come against things that are precious to me. Hallelujah. But I know. I know. Hallelujah, I am convinced that what God has spoken, hallelujah, over my life, he will fulfill. And so I stand in my place and I serve wholeheartedly because I'm not carrying that weight. I am now free to serve God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So, hallelujah. The place that we need to get to is the place of being fully persuaded fully persuaded regarding what God has spoken to us through Christ. In these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son. That message of salvation is not just forgiveness of sins, escape from hell, go to heaven, happy ever after. It is about the high call of heaven on your life to be restored to the place of glory and honor, to rule and reign with Christ, and a transformation that's to take place in your life, hallelujah, and a maturing that's supposed to take place within you, the spirit man. See, some of you have tapped into the little videos that I've been sending out through the email that I send out every day about becoming a house of prayer. I just call it my journey, and I've taken one scripture, which the Holy Spirit, it just allows me to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life and the things that he's speaking to me. The whole key to it, though, is how I hear what he's saying and how I allow my heart to come under persuasion. You see, one thing he said to me was, he said, Bob, I no longer want you to see or perceive yourself on the basis of who you were born into this world in the flesh to be. You are no longer the son of your dad. 
you are the son of your heavenly father. And the person that lived inside of you that was shaped under sin was crucified to the cross. The person within you is wholly righteous, is wholly righteous. The person within you is an absolutely new creation. The person within you has complete access at all times. I'm going to take you through events in your life and I will stop you and say, who are you in this moment? Are you persuaded that you are born from above? You use the words born again, born from above, but are you persuaded that you are born from above? Are you persuaded that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me? Are you persuaded that you have a new spirit and his spirit is living within your spirit? Are you persuaded? Or do you get swayed by the events, the emotions, your behavior, your performance? What is swaying you? And I'm conscious of how important it is the way I hear what he's saying. Today, if you will hear his voice, fear lest there be in any of you this evil heart of unbelief. Therefore, hearing is very important. Let me take you to a scripture. Romans chapter 10. He's been talking about how beautiful on, uh, on the mountains are the feet of them that preach good news. I'm heading down towards verse 17. He's talking about the proclaiming of the gospel and the only way that they can believe is if they hear the gospel. The only way that they can believe is if they hear. And then verse 17, it says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So, I'm saying you want to make sure that there is, that in you is no heart of unbelief. Therefore, I need to have a heart of faith. I need to have a heart of faith so that when I hear what is spoken now gets united with faith. It says here, faith is not something I work up. Faith is not something I pull down. Faith comes. Faith comes. Faith comes. Just comes. It comes by hearing. And the faith that brings salvation is hearing the message of Christ. God in these last days has spoken to us through his Son. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So hearing is absolutely vital. So if I've heard the message, that must mean I've heard. If you have been in church and you have heard the message of Christ, that must mean that you've fulfilled the first part. You've heard. No. Strange scripture in Revelations. Let he who has ears hear. Don't you automatically hear if you have ears? No. So now turn with me. We're going to turn to Mark chapter 4. I'm not really trying to preach a sermon. What, I'm, what I want to do is talk to you, speak something into your heart, make it a continual conversation, a journey that we're on, because in this place, God is going to raise up leaders. There's leaders here. He's just going to raise them up. 
incredible leaders, generals in the kingdom of God. So I'm in Mark chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus has been talking in parables, and the parable that he talked about was the sower and the seed. We're all really familiar with that one, most of us. So it says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. So there's something that stays hidden except to those to whom it's revealed. The kingdom. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So he wasn't speaking the parables to give really good illustrations that everybody would understand. He was actually taking the parables to hide within them a truth that only seeking hearts would find. For those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They have eyes, but they're not really seeing. They may indeed hear, but not understand. They're hearing, but they're not grasping. Lest they should turn and be forgiven, because if they actually saw and perceived and heard and understood, then faith would come and they would respond. Because faith comes by hearing. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Now, before I get into that, I want to go down to verse 21. So I'm going to get into the parable a little little bit. Don't know how far we'll get, but I want to go down to verse 21. So he's going to explain to them the parable, and then in verse 21 he says to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Your lamp, you buy a nice new lamp, new lamp, do you stick it under the bed? No, you put it up on a stand, and its purpose is to illuminate. I want you to understand that the entrance of God's word gives light. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. I want you to understand that the kingdom of light rules. Everything will be brought to light. Nothing will be hidden. That's why I like to get things in my life into the light as fast as possible. Get them there. Get them there. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So even though you have ears to hear, doesn't mean you hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Now if you were to go to Luke's gospel, and read this same section, it would say, pay attention to how you hear. And both are viable here. Pay attention to what you hear and how you hear it. With the measure you use it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is what I find. Let me just do it this way. I, I told you I have one verse I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit on. One, it's actually four verses. It's one little section in Scripture, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. And I'm just partnering with him. I don't want to say anything about your read your Bible through in a year plans. It's all good. It's all good. Just 
keep up, and when you miss five chapters, make them up the next day. And if that puts you ten chapters behind, make them up the next day. But do your best. My son had a Sunday school teacher that told him with his new Bible, highlight all the parts that you've read. Well, he sped read through the whole Bible until it was entirely highlighted because he just liked inking his Bible. (laughs) It's all good. Read it. Read it all. Read it all. But you cannot possibly take the entire Bible and come under its full persuasion in one year. It ain't going to happen. But I'll tell you this. You take a small portion of Scripture like I'm doing and partner with the Holy Spirit and say, I want to come under full persuasion to this word until this word permeates my heart and it completely reshapes my perceptions of life reshapes the perception of who I am. I want to come under full persuasion to this word. I want its understanding to deeply go into my life. And I want this word to go in until it finds everything in me that's not in alignment with the truth that's in this word. And I want my heart to be realigned to this word. Got one scripture. Here's what happens. As I'm taking that scripture... And now I am pursuing that. It begins to connect to other scriptures. It begins to connect to other truths. I begin to hear in other sermons. I begin to see in other books. I begin to hear from the rock star on the radio. I begin to hear God speaking to me. And he keeps connecting to that scripture until my entire Bible opens up. Because... With the measure with which I hear, more is given. And as I hear that, it opens my heart up with a hunger and a faith to hear more. That's why I've said to some people struggling with their Bibles, just take your Bible and do this. If you can't even get one verse, just take the Bible, put it there and say, I want everything in here to invade my life. I am open to hear. And I'll tell you what happens. A heart that's open to hear every scripture that you have learned in the past all of a sudden begins to awaken in your heart because you are listening to hear. It's not how much scripture you've read, how many conferences you've gone to, how many sermon tapes you have at home. What is the one word that you have heard? And you have heard to bring your heart under a full persuasion to it. If you're listening to hear, faith will come. It will just come. It will just come. These words are spirit and they are life. When you begin to open your heart to the word, to hear, it unlocks the life in the word. It unlocks the light in the word. And faith comes. And faith grows. All of you know this. You know the sermon. You know about some seed is sowed on the wayside. Seed on the wayside the person does not want to hear. I've sowed lots of seed in the wayside. The person does not want to hear that word. I, I want you to look in this portion of Scripture. Please look in this portion of Scripture. Please look. Verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown 
when they hear. They heard, but now we're talking about with what measure did they hear. They heard. But Satan immediately takes away the word that was sown because they didn't want to hear it. And then verse 16, these are the ones sown on rocky ground when the ones who, when they hear, oh, they also heard. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. Let me explain to you how that happens. The preacher was a really funny preacher. He had a great personality, and the word just resonated with them. Whoa. He was dynamic. He was charismatic. He moved in power, and they loved the atmosphere that they were in, and the word was great. The illustration that was given was profound, and it just awakened something, and they received it with joy. Everybody else was around, and they were excited about the Word, and they got excited about the Word too, and they received it with joy. But they didn't take it in. They didn't take it in. It didn't find a root in them. It didn't get purchase into their lives. So that when tribulation comes, which means pressure is building up on the inside, that somehow if I'm going to hang on to this word, things are going to have to change. If I keep hanging on to this word, there's some things in me that are important to me that I'm going to have to surrender. There's some things in me that are going to have to bow. There's some things in me that I am going to have to repent of. I feel trapped. That's tribulation. Persecution is, I feel like I'm being chased. Like if I'm going to hold on to this word, people start getting after me. People start treating me. If I'm going to hang on to this word, I'm going to face rejection. I'm going to face abuse. I'm going to face insults. This word is going to cause people to come after me. In fact, some people go, they hang on to this word, devil's coming after me. And with that perception, they don't have any root in themselves. I don't believe that this, I'm not persuaded that this word is true, it's solid, and that God will watch over this word to perform it. Until the word of the Lord was performed in Joseph's life, it tested him in the pit, it tested him in Potiphar's house, and it tested him in the prison. Will you be fully persuaded? The third type of soil was among the weeds. The weeds choked out. They heard, they heard, they heard, they heard, they heard, just like you're hearing this morning. And it did take root. They did believe. But they couldn't come to a place of full persuasion where they were able to endure until the fruit of that word came forth in their lives. And the reason why, and the word still stayed there, they could quote the word, they believed the word. They just weren't persuaded to give themselves fully to the word so the word could be fulfilled within their lives. And the reason is because they not only believed the word, but they believed their worries. And they believed their desires. 
for worldly things. They believed that that actually would satisfy and give them pleasure, give them security, and give them rest. And they believed their worries and their concerns, and they felt that if they didn't anxiously become about in all these things, and they couldn't give themselves fully to God, and couldn't give themselves because of all these issues, and so it simply vied for the place in their hearts where faith needed to form into a full persuasion so that they lived out their faith. Unbelief will keep you from the full fruitfulness, the full fulfillment of the Word of God within your life. But if you will hear, you will open up your heart and say, God, here's one of my difficulties. I, I'm going to end this. I am going to end, right? But here's one of my difficulties. There's things that God has worked into my life that really, like, it wasn't because of my great effort. It was just because I knew how much weakness was in me, and I just kept crying out of my weakness. I just kept crying, help, help me. I don't know how to. God, I want to serve you. I know your word says I don't have any power. I don't know what's the plan here, because I, I just kept pursuing him, opening up my heart to him, listening to him. He had to work through all kinds of garbage in the way that I thought, all kinds of wrong teaching that I had been given. He had to work through it all. But my heart was open to him. God, I'm seeking you. I believe what your word says. I just don't see how to live it. I believe what your word says. I just don't know how to tap its power. I believe what your word says, but I'm just not living in its victory. I believe what you, but I refuse to not believe. I'm going after that word through all of the weakness, all of the failure, all of the distractions going on in my life. I keep communion with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're in my life. The blood was shed to get you there. You know everything about me and a whole lot more than what I know about myself. I need you to bring me through this. And so I keep my heart in a state of listening, 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 believing his word's true, believing he's going he's to make it. Even if I fail, even if I'm blowing it, he's going to find a way to bring me around and bring me to the place. Just keep my heart open to him, pursuing him. And as I'm listening, as I'm just simply in that place, he creates a hunger in me to go deeper in his word. He creates a hunger in me to take more steps of obedience. He brings more understanding to me. And each and every increment of that causes faith to come. Faith just comes. Faith just comes. Now don't you ever think that my faith, I'm sitting here going, well, my faith is fully developed. You, you need to be... I keep telling you, I'm one centimeter ahead of you. Follow me. But I'm going after God, and I understand this year more than ever. God wants me to be fully persuaded. He wants me to be fully persuaded, because this is the year. This is the year. Hallelujah. This is the year. Hallelujah. I want you to stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd love to pray for you all, but I can't, so I want you to put your hands on somebody so that God can release this. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I command your ears to become unblocked. I command your ears to become unblocked so that you will hear in a measure you have not heard before.
And as your capacity to hear increases, your faith, your persuasion that what God has spoken to us in Christ is absolutely sure and absolutely yours. And as faith comes in, you will find yourself stepping into things with an authority, with a joy, with an expectation, with a hope that you have not been walking in before. Not because you strived to change anything, but because your ears opened, faith came, and by faith, you began to walk in who you are in Christ, in its fullness. This is your bread. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Amen.